0: if you will and take your bibles and turn to the 23rd psalm psalm 23 things have not worked out quite like i thought they would do you ever have those moments where you had a plan you had everything laid out and it didn't go quite according to the schedule well that's what's happened because a few weeks ago, I went and I kind of looked at Sunday night and kind of our schedule and the different ins and outs of things that were going on. And I went ahead and I put the 23rd Psalm down. And I had my schedule of how we were going to go about this. And last week, I had planned on whoever was here covering for you verse 4. I, I decided I wouldn't, uh, but I said somebody could. Well, when I asked the esteemed Dr. Reverend David Abernathy, he's got a doctorate in something, I promise you, that when I asked him, I was like, oh, I hate to constrain him by telling him what verse and what passage to use, so I told him to do whatever he wanted to, all right? But that leaves me kind of in a situation, Because the month of December, we've got all kinds of things going on. Next week, we have M3. Is that right? The week after that, I will be preaching at Zion Traveler. And, oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm just telling you. it it helped. Look, it pumps me up for the next couple years when I go over there. December the 16th, uh, I believe we have caroling that night. So we'll have that going on. December the 23rd, we're going to celebrate with Loy and Deborah for uh, their ministry and what God has done uh, through their work. And then the 30th, we're going to be off. And I'm like, it, I, I just, come on, how am I going to get through all of this? Well, some of you say if you would just go on, we'll get through with it tonight. <laughs> I can read what you think. You think I can. not I, I see you. I told you this morning I can see your eyes. I can think. see what you're thinking half the time. Well, let me try. I'm going to try to get through the rest of this psalm and and, and try to give you some truth tonight. It's almost like putting two sermons together, though, okay? Just warn you a little bit of trying to put two different messages together. Bill, you just sit tight, all right? They don't need extra help with security. I saw you getting up to go. No, you can handle two sermons. You actually probably need more than that, but we'll work on the two, all right? psalm 23 listen to it again we're gonna we're gonna read it one more time david's testimony david's personal words personal reflection about his lord about his god and this is what he said the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in the green pastures he leadeth me in the paths uh, he leadeth me beside the still waters Forever. David's testimony, his reflection on the Lord, the covenant God of Israel, remember, Yahweh God, that he is the personal shepherd of David. And David knew something about shepherding. He was that young boy who had been with the flocks out in the fields, and he could personally relate to this analogy of the Lord being his shepherd. He had said that the Lord provided, the Lord took care of him. These Pastures, these waters, that somehow the Lord was the one who was able to take care of both his physical needs and also his mental, emotional, and spiritual needs. That this Lord was sufficient enough, that he was strong enough to work in David's life. But now, tonight, I want to shift because I want to show you his presence and I want to show you his preparation. Because he is the one who provides, but he is also the one who is present with his sheep. Verse 4. "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." Now, there are times when I wish that the Lord would have just stuck with the green pastures and the still waters. If we could just stay in the lowlands and enjoy the the green grass and enjoy the calm, peaceful waters. But here, The Lord, as he was speaking through David, David, as he's sharing his testimony, David said that there were those moments where he actually walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Literally, if you look at that language, it is the valley of deep darkness. The valley of deep darkness. David knew something about deep darkness, right? Well, he knew something about it as a shepherd, actually. He knew about this valley of the shadow of death just as a shepherd, because according to my studies and what I've seen is that there would come a time when the summer heat was was getting greater, that the snow would mount, the snow would melt in the mountains, and the sheep would be led from the lowlands up to a better, actually, grazing area there in a higher elevation. And in that process, they would have to go through these areas of deep darkness. I mean, anytime you made a trip, obviously, you would have to <laughs> go through certain areas that, that could be difficult, that could have obstacles, that could have all types of enemies out there. And here, he says, there are moments when the sheep, we're, we're going to have to take them through this valley of deep darkness so that we can get them to an area where they can enjoy the grazing, and they can enjoy uh, the provision of God in even a greater way. So he knew it as a shepherd, but he also knew it personally. As a father, as a husband, as a king, he knew what darkness was like. And David, well, he wasn't unlike us, right? Because David could see brokenness around him we celebrate david we and and david again has a heart for god i'm going to talk more about that in a moment he is able to pin some of these worship uh psalms and and he is able to reflect on god's character but don't miss this about david's life david had a lot of difficulties i mean you think you got problems with the in-laws I'm gonna move on before I get in trouble tonight, probably. But I, you think about the in law, think about a father in law that is pursuing you to kill you. And not only is he your father in law, but he's your king. This is what happens to David King Saul is coming after David. His fa- Here, King Saul is coming after his son in law, David. He is pursuing him, and we see that in Scripture. He knows that, and th- those are valleys of deep darkness. And then, when everything seems to be going great. When David, I believe, is at the pinnacle of his political power and strength, it is there that Satan targets him, and Satan entices him into a sinful into a sinful act, and ultimately into a sinful series of actions. And through that, his family is devastated. Devastated. Oh, it reaped all kinds of consequences upon David and his family. If you read through the the story of David, you see how his children are impacted. You see how those around him are impacted. So what I want to say to you is, David knows the valley of deep darkness that he's talking about here. You know, sometimes you hear people talk about things and you want to say to yourself, do they really know what they're talking about? Have they ever truly been through that? Do they really? Are they really experts in that? It's kind of like hearing an old Miss coach talk about football. Do they know anything about football? Do they really? Well, <laughs> moving on. The, uh... David knows all about what he's talking about. He knows the valley of deep darkness. He's experienced brokenness. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that valley of deep darkness, whether it's the sheep as a sheep that I'm walking through it and and I'm maybe as a shepherd, he is He has experienced this and led the sheep to these higher areas. And they've had to go through the areas in the forest of darkness with all that's out there. The predators and and the problems that could come. He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, I will not fear evil itself, even though we walk through it. Why? Why can David express such confidence same reason you and I can express such confidence, for thou art with me. It makes all the difference to know that your God is with you, your shepherd. He is there. David said, You're there with me. I, I love being around people. Uh, I love having somebody with I, I don't do well alone. I don't know if I've told you that before. Leslie will give testimony tonight. She and I will talk about it. I don't do well alone. I like to be around somebody. I like for people, you know, like when she's gone, like I am off my game. That's the reason I show up at some of your houses sometimes. I love you, but it's not just because I love you. It's just because I got to find some human contact people. There's something about the presence of people in our lives. There's something about the presence of people when we go through some tough times that people are there with us and they're walking with us and they're praying for us. I mean, I believe there's it I believe it makes all the difference in the world. How many times have I heard people say, "I don't know what people would do without a church or a church family." I don't know how people get through these kinds of things if they didn't have God and his people. I've heard that so many times through the years. And it is a reality to know that people are with you. But, but get this, David says that the reason he has full confidence is not just because other people are there, not just because of the family of God or the nation of Israel. He says the reason I can walk through these valleys and I can experience such strength and confidence is because I know God is there with me and the promise to every believer is that he will never leave us or forsake us but reggie there are days when i just feel that he is he's just removed i feel like he's just not there in that in that really dynamic fervent way that i felt him before the scripture reminds us that even when our hearts condemn us god is greater than our hearts and even when your emotions betray you, I want you to know that you can count upon what God says. Remember what I said this morning, it's not based upon who you are or your feelings. It is based upon God's purpose and God's word in your heart. And God said, "I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You bank on it. He's not just there with you in the mountains. He's not just there with you in the great experiences. He's there with you when you walk through the darkest of valleys, the deep darkness itself. He is there. It makes all the difference. For those of us that sometimes go through um, the brokenness of relationships, the brokenness that this world brings, the brokenness of disease or death, we know that he's still with us. This morning I talked a little bit about his second coming. And obviously just a little bit about what we look forward to. But I want you to know that this idea of death itself, according to what Paul says in Romans 8, that death itself cannot separate us from the love of Christ, right? So that means when God calls me home, I'm not separated from his presence. He's still with me. Once he came into my life, listen, once I gave my heart to Christ and he set up resonance in me, he has never moved out and he never will. He is always with me. I can count on him. I've seen people walk through the valley of the shadow and know that they're there, know that he's there. Unfortunately, I've seen people walk through the valley of the shadow and they didn't realize he was there. They had no hope. Oh, that passage I read this morning? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and following through verse 17. Even if you look at 18 where he says to comfort one another. In verse 13, he says that we are not to grieve as those who have no hope. He never said we wouldn't grieve. I always point that out because people need to know that. I, I'm not saying that people don't grieve. Man, I have some sorrow when when I lose people that are close to me and people that I adore, people that are significant. It. It is tough, but we do not grieve like those who have no hope. It's probably on greatest display when I first began pastoring. Leslie reminded me this coming month, 20 years ago, I became a pastor. 20 years ago. In January will be my ordination anniversary. I remember going to Canaan. Little group of people I loved, they loved, they were so good to me. Even after I almost burned the church down on my first, it's like my first Sunday, wasn't it, Les? I did the Lord's Supper and they had this table behind me and I didn't know they had all these candles that were lit. And I just kind of was trying to do the Lord's Supper and I was going back and forth and I could hear, I thought the people were just getting in the spirit. I didn't know I was about to catch on fire behind her. Nobody said a word, not one of them. Not even Leslie, although we weren't even married then, were we? But right after that, we had a gentleman from the church who had accepted the Lord, who knew the Lord. He and I talked many times, who had passed away suddenly. And I buried him there on the cemetery at the cemetery at Canaan. It was one of my first funerals that I ever did. As we prepared to leave, as we were getting everything together, his children, which were in, I guess, college or right out, one had accepted Christ while I was there. And we had baptized that that individual. The other or so had not. She was so smart. She had gone to school. She made good grades. I remember, I think, she either made a 35, 36 on her ACT. She was unbelievably up there. But she had never bowed to the God of heaven. And when we left that cemetery that day, Leslie probably still remembers, she would just continue to, to literally scream of what was going to happen. And how she did not want to leave that cemetery because she had, I'm going to tell you, because she had no hope in Christ. Folks, I know that we do sorrow. But I also know that you and I can walk through the deep darkness and we will not fear the evil that is there, that's all around, that's trying to harm us or destroy us. We don't have to because... He is with us. David says, for thou art with me, I will fear no evil. And you and I just need to, we just need to be reminded. We just need to be reminded that the presence of God is there with us. God is there with us. And he gets us through these moments as tough as they are. He says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You're there with me the rod, which was kind of like an oak club. It would have been like about two feet in length. Uh, Some people said that it would have like a knot at the end of it. And in that knot, sometimes they would uh, embed like metal in order to uh, give it some texture. And obviously, it was a better weapon in that area, in in that way. And that that rod could be used to beat off to beat off the predators or whatever would come against the sheep, that rod. And obviously, David, maybe it was the rod he had used. Remember, we know that he had beaten off these predators. He had killed predators himself. Maybe he had used one of those, a bear, a lion. God is the one who holds the rod on our behalf. And I'm pretty proud when he whips it out and beats back the enemy, beats back the predator. He's with us. He never leaves us. He has never ceded his authority to anybody else or to any type of entity or organization here on this earth. He always has control and authority. His rod, his staff, the staff had that hook on the end, the bent nature of it would be used to be able to pull the sheep back, maybe to move the branches away as they were traveling in this valley says his rod and his staff. The staff was more to help the sheep. Every now and then I feel a staff, I believe. And maybe it's in a corrective way. But I'm reminded that it's his presence in our lives. Well, he says, I can walk through this moment because you're with me. Thou art with me. His presence. Look in verses 5 and 6 because the shepherd also make some type of preparation. Now, it seems like it is a shift, and it, it seems like quite a shift from what I've seen in the first four verses. When I look at fi- verse 5, it says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. It, it's kind of like we've gone from the, the sheep being led out in the fields to all of a sudden now we're in a home, and uh, we're, we have a table that's prepared before us. And that can be a good analogy that can be used. Charles Slimming actually suggests that this is still connected with the shepherd and sheep motif, with that theme, that it's still there. And what he says is that the shepherds, I, I really had never read this, but I, I, can, I can see the merit in it, and obviously these are, these are scholars that tell us about the practices of the day. But the shepherds would go out into a new field and they would survey the new field just to make sure everything was okay. Uh, Often, they would in particular look for like holes, holes that would um, uh, house vipers like little snakes. They would go and they would look for those little holes and they would scout them out and they would find those before they allowed the sheep to go into the field. And then what they would do, according to to these historians, is they would actually take the flask of oil off of their belt, and they would take that oil, and they would they would rub it around those holes. They would They would put a generous amount of it there, so that if the viper tried to come up out of the hole, he really had no traction. He couldn't get out as well as he thought. And then you know what he would do? According to these historians, according to what Slimming and others said, they said that the the shepherds would take a little bit of that oil and they would wipe it on the head of the sheep, so that again it was kind of like something that would repel these vipers, that would repel the viper away. I never really had read that before. Sounds good, doesn't it? And maybe and maybe that's it. Maybe it is continuing that type of of theme that's there. The idea that. The shepherd goes out and he makes sure, preparing a table. Like He's not going to allow them to eat in the new field until he's got it taken care of. He's prepared it. And here they are eating even in the presence of the enemies. The vipers that are there in the ground, they can still eat because everything has been taken care of. All I know is, David says, I get to feast even in the presence of mine enemies you anoint my head with oil, that oil that would be used to refresh and renew. He says, you anoint my head with oil. I love thinking about the preparation of God and the preparation of the table. I kid, and rightfully so, about going up this week and seeing my folks and and how my mother would make sure that everything was just right, but you know, when people come to your house, you make preparations, right? You 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 make sure uh, when when folks come, you gotta you gotta do all this and do all that. Look, I I, I love people come, um, my family, but sometimes it it is quite something. It is a strain on our marriage, and we don't have many strains, do we, baby? No, 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 no. Maybe we got one now. Are you saying? Maybe, maybe we need to talk about that. We get on. (laughs) But you got to prepare. Like you got to clean. You got to get everything ready. And you got—I mean, you do. That's what you do. You make preparations. You got to make sure you got enough food in the in the fridge. And you got to make sure that you got the things done. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it can be a little stressful. It can't be. But think about how all that preparation that's made. I think about this a lot. Because then I think what preparation the Lord makes for us. I mean, you want to talk about somebody stepping in and doing what's necessary to get everything ready, get everything taken care of. He prepares. Hold that thought. I'm going to get back to it a little bit later. But it just says here, He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He anoints my head with oil. There's the refreshment, the renewal of the the fresh oil of God upon our life. My cup runneth over. My cup is saturated. I remember being in Hebrew class and looking at this psalm and talking about the saturation, the overflowing nature of the cup that God gives, that that he takes care of us. It, here, this is water, I think, and it's the refreshment of water. And again, if you try to follow the shepherd sheep theme and, and you are reminded of how they would draw the water sometimes for the sheep in certain areas and what needed to happen, it would be like this idea of an overflowing bucket, overflowing cup that would, again, refresh the sheep. You know, our our Lord is all into abundance, isn't he? It conveys the idea of abundance, the image of abundance. I found this as I was studying. It's actually a quote by Haddon Robinson, who was a prince of preachers and taught preachers for years. And Haddon Robinson expresses this thought about the superabundant the superabundance of God and how he, he just is like this. He loves to lavish blessing upon our hearts and lives this is what Haddon Robinson said he said with him the calf is always the fatted calf the robe always the best robe the joy is unspeakable and the peace well it passes all understanding there is no grudging in God's goodness he does not measure it he does not measure his goodness by drops like a druggist like a druggist filling a prescription. It comes to us in floods. If only we recognized the lavish abundance of his gifts. What a difference it would make in our lives. If every meal were taken as a gift from his hand. It would almost be like a sacrament itself he said. Oh he's, God is so abundant to us. Gives to us. How many of us have experienced the cup that ran over in our lives. He knows how to fill our cup. Hey, David knew what it was like to overflow as well. David, um, his name means beloved. When I was in high school there at Saltillo and I had Bible class, and Mr. Covington always would say, it means to boil over with love for God. Like you can't, you can't contain it. Like when something boils over, it just you just you, you can't stop it. And David boiled over. So when he's talking about an overflowing cup, he's talking about a cup of abundance. He also knows that in a sense he has become a vessel of abundance, that he is able to overflow in love. For God Himself, read his praises. You hear the overflowing character of David, and his love. Billy Sunday years ago said the trouble with many men is they have just enough religion to make them miserable. They haven't been truly filled up. They've just gotten a little taste, an inoculation maybe, but they haven't experienced the joy and the overflowing cup that David describes. Look at this last, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness, mercy. Follows me all the days. Now again, remember, this is a guy that knows the darkness. He knows what it's like to flee from the king. He knows what it's like to see uh, violence and death in his family. He knows. And yet, listen to what he says. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He didn't pick and choose a day. He said all those days, somehow, God has shown his goodness and his mercy. That word, followed, literally means like pursue. Those two things pursue us. Now, this is where i got to go back to... To my, what did I say? Redneck days, maybe. And I know I'm not over it yet. But used to when I was in uh, Pickyun, I had, I, I actually had a pack of beagles. They were hunting dogs. They were not little pretty dogs, you know. That you, could, they were hunting dogs. They had a purpose. We go out with them. What do they do? They run rabbits. That's what they were to do. I've got a couple of friends here in the church that if I put enough guilt on them, they'll take me to do that still. Only if I apply enough guilt, though. But those dogs would just run, and they'll run, and they'll run, and they'll run. I mean, until we put an end to the race, I mean, they're just going to keep going. It's like they're pursuing. That's the language that's actually used here is that goodness and mercy just keeps chasing us and chasing us and chasing us. It's like we can hear the sound of their voices behind us as they pursue us relentlessly. David said this goodness and mercy, that they, it, they pursue me every day. You and I, we know what it's like for the relentless pursuit of God in our lives. How He relentlessly pursues a relationship with us. How He relentlessly brings to us goodness and mercy. I mean, He pursues us too often. The problem is, we're out pursuing other things often. Like, we're, we're pursuing our own agendas, we're pursuing our own things. And if we just turn around and look, He's right there pursuing us. If we just give up, if we just give up the race and turn around, And allow ourselves to be overtaken by goodness and mercy. David said, David said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that not an incredible statement any time of life? I mean any time of life. Any any. Stage of history. Let me say it that way. Any stage of history, that is an incredible statement to know that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But how about David as he lived before the work, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Even before Christ came and walked and experienced death and experienced the resurrection. Even before David knew there was something that was better and that he had life because his God would take care of him. His shepherd would take care of him. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, well, and I know the temple was built afterwards, after David's reign, but it is synonymous with God's presence and obviously the temple, even beforehand the tabernacle of of God's presence. I will dwell in the house i'll dwell in the presence of god forever also an incredible statement because you've got people who basically especially a shepherd which would been like a nomad moving from place to place right and here it says i'm going to settle down in the house of the lord forever forever Let me take you back as we close. I talked to you about that preparation a few minutes ago. Take you back, John 14, for a moment. Remember the night before Jesus was to die. He looked at his disciples and he he said to them, Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, he says, and if basically I will come again, that where I am, there you may be also. Think about that just a moment. He says, I'm going to prepare a place. I told you that we are so inadequate in the way we prepare things. But the Lord, what preparation he makes. He's never surprised either. He knows the day that we will depart this earth. He's never caught in the process of preparing. He's got it all taken care of. Always think about that. Mr. Charles Hoffman, when he passed the other day, Mr. Betty Long, God knew exactly. God had everything just set. You know, one of these days when he calls me home, He's going to have it all taken care of. To be able to pull up to that table, to be able to enjoy the house of the Lord, His presence, forever. Again, it is the confidence and the assurance that we have. I said to you when we began this 23rd Psalm that it has resonated with so many people through the years. One of the most read, if not not the most read, passage of scripture because it does say so much about how our shepherd provides how he's there in his presence and how he prepares for us and who we are key I always say it Brother Dale's heard me say it in several different messages and you have probably the key to all of this that one personal pronoun in verse 1 the Lord is my Shepherd, when you know him in that intimate relationship, you begin to see all these other things as the reality of your life. I encourage you to take this psalm to read it, to study it, to love to love it because guess what he will continue to bring out things you never thought you saw there and he'll continue to use it to minister to you as he provides as he's there, and as he prepares. Let's pray together tonight. Father, thank you for these moments. And Father, we pray that we would see you as our good shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand tonight?